Welcome to the Antioch Austin podcast. Wherever you're listening from, we hope this message encourages you. For more information about Antioch Austin, please check our website at AntiochATX.com. All right. Well, good morning, everybody. We feeling okay? Uh, Man, I'll tell you what. How many of you were on our Tijuana mission trip or know somebody that was on the Tijuana mission trip? Throw yourself in the mix. Couple hands raised up. My daughter was on that trip. It was life changing. Do yourself a favor. Ask a few people uh, if they were on that trip and have them tell you some stories of what God did. Maybe one of the coolest things that we get to be a part of here at Antioch is that we believe that God is moving around the world. And it's not just about what's happening here in Austin, although we do take that UT mission statement as our own, that what starts here is going to change the world. We, we own that. We receive that. Uh, but we don't just want to talk about it. We want to be about it. And this trip was one of those moments where people just like you said, hey, you know what? I'm going to take a couple of days of vacation. I'm going to go to Tijuana, Mexico. I'm going to lean in to that Antioch church there and say, hey, how can I serve? What can I do? And they went out and shared Jesus with people in the park, prayed for the sick, saw people healed. It saw lots of people saved. Absolutely phenomenal. And as more and more of them track back in over the next week or so, we'll make sure that we put some sort of testimony video or something together so that you can hear those and see some of the things that God did because it was life-changing and I don't want you to miss it next year. We do impact trips every single summer and our desire is that every one of you go on an impact trip because it just matters, man. It changes what we expect even here in Austin when we see God doing incredible things in other parts of the world. And so if you went, thank you. If you didn't go, come with me next year. It's going to be Absolutely phenomenal. We'll probably go back to Tijuana. All right. Now, Liz preached last week. How great of a job did she do? Killed it. Absolutely slayed it. I don't think it's posted yet. Has it posted yet? I don't believe it has. No, because everybody was in Mexico. But if you missed it, uh, you can watch it this week. You're not going to want to miss it. Uh, uh, She absolutely hit it out of the park. And kind of what we're doing uh, is over the next few weeks, we're calling this series of talks, Summer Revival. And instead of like saying, hey, let's kind of drill in on one topic over the next five weeks, we're like, you know what we really want to drill into? We want to drill into God getting more of who we are. And revival means very simply to strengthen the condition of something. And when I when I read that, I was like, man, that's that's what I want to happen in my heart. That's what I want to happen in your heart. I want over these next five weeks for God to strengthen the condition of our faith, to strengthen the condition of our hearts, to strengthen the condition of our hope that, that because of what God is doing in this place, we come out stronger, more alive and, and, and more on fire for what he's doing and what he's doing in us and through us. Amen. And so that's really our heart is over these next five weeks is is not to talk about one thing, but just to talk about, hey, let's just be hungry. You know, and I found in life that I usually find what I'm hungry for. Have you found that to be true? Yeah, yeah, it, it's true. It's like if you're really hungry for something, you'll find a way to get it. And that's kind of we just want to position our hearts and say, God, we're just we're hungry for you. And so would you stir us over these weeks? Let us not just be working on our tan as it's getting hotter. God, let, 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 let's work on what you're doing in our hearts so that we launch in to this next season after the summer 
full. Not leading a vacation from our vacation, but saying, man, my heart is stronger than it's ever been. My, my faith is, is stronger than it's ever been. My hope is bigger than it's ever been. And that's our desire together over these next couple of weeks is that God would just stir our hunger. And, and, and in line with that, what I'm going to talk about this morning really is birthed out of a couple of passages of Scripture uh, that, that are in First Thessalonians. It's kind of a fun word to say, Thessalonians. I think I'm saying it incorrectly, but I have a mic, so just roll with it. First Thessalonians 5, we're going to start in verse 16. It says this. If, if, you, if, you are, if there's any kids in the house and your parents are doing that deal like they're going to pay you for how many scriptures you memorized, First Thessalonians 5 is your friend because check this out. Rejoice always is verse 16. Now, that's what I'm talking about. You're talking about... Rememorizing a scripture. Yeah, I got one. Rejoice always. Here's another one. Second verse. This is great. Pray continually. So you got two right there. If you're getting a dollar a verse, I'm helping you make money. All right. So tuck that away, kids. I'm here for you. Pastor JD loves you. Okay. Rejoice always. Pray continually and give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Let me read that again. Rejoice always, pray continually, and give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. This morning, what I want to talk about very simply is the topic of relentless prayer. Relentless prayer. And see, I believe that we are in a day and age where the church needs to pray more than it's ever prayed before. We need to learn how to pray Continually. We need to learn how to be a people of intercession, of prayer, of, of fighting for righteousness. And can I just say, without getting on too big of a soapbox, I think at times we shout at the wrong things. We, we, we holler at a bunch of stuff that, that's really not the problem. Our struggle is with the unseen, but we want to shout at everything that we see. You hear what I'm saying? You know, I, I, last week, actually, some of you know this, some of you don't. I moonlight as a CrossFit coach. And I'm not very good at it, but I really enjoy it. And I, and I enjoy the people that I get to meet as I do it. And, and so last weekend, I took a training course to it's like a continuing education within my CrossFit coaching world. Now, without boring you with things you don't care about, and those of you who think that CrossFit is dangerous, I'm sorry. Okay? So is running. <laughs> and without really getting into the nuts and bolts of it, this class really was about helping you become a better coach. It's not foundationally like what is CrossFit, what are the movements, all that. That's what's called your level one certification, okay? This one is not that. This is more like how good are you at teaching others how to do those things? And within that, we had a couple of evaluations that happened. And they would call you up into the front of the class and they would say, okay, J.D., you are going to teach Josh how to do an air squat, 
And everyone is evaluating how well I did at teaching Josh how to do an air squat. And this is not participation ribbon land, okay? This is not great job. Wow, you are a good communicator. No, this is you're here to get better, and so we're going to tell you why you're not good. <laughs> and so, like, I'm going through this deal, and I'm trying to work through the points of performance is what they call it. And right in the middle of me teaching how to do an air squat, I hear this, uh, excuse me, from the person who was running the class. And I was like, yes. And they said, do you see this athlete over here? I'm like, yes, ma'am. Do you see that he's completely in the wrong position? Yes, ma'am. So I have a question for you. You told this athlete to tighten his core. But his back is straight. Tightening his core is going to protect his spine, but that's not his problem. His problem is, is that his chest is pointing at the floor and he needs to be more upright. And she looks me straight in the eyes and she says, don't give cues to fix problems that don't exist. And I was like... But can I be honest with you? How many of you feel like your prayer life is a little bit like that? You're throwing cues at things and they're not working. I keep hollering at this dude, tighten your core, tighten your core, thinking, thinking that that's going to help him get his chest up. But truth is, is that my core can be tight. I learned this and, and I could be completely bent over like that. That cue does not fix that problem. You ever feel like you're throwing cues at problems and they're not changing? You ever feel like you're, you're, you're shouting at a mountain and it's not moving? Any honest people here? Okay, so you, you ever have a moment in life where you feel like the cues that you're using are not equaling anything changing? Yeah, that's the tension of learning how to be a relentless intercessor. Like, like, and I think the disciples had a moment where they had a similar revelation that, yo, the cue is not working. Like this, I, I'm, I, I think I'm saying the right thing, but I'm not seeing the result that I need to see. And so if you have a Bible, I want you to turn with me to Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9. And we're getting ready to jump into the middle of an amazing story. And the disciples have a head scratching moment when they realize, hey, I'm telling this guy to tighten his core, but it's not fixing his form. The cue is not lining up with the fix to the problem that's in front of them. It says this in verse 37. The next day, when they came down from the mountain, a large crowd met him, meaning Jesus. The him here is Jesus. And a man in that crowd called out, Teacher, I beg you to look at my son. He's my only child. A spirit seizes him and he suddenly screams and throws himself into convulsions so that he foams at the mouth and it scarcely ever leaves him and is destroying him. Can I just side note here? I know that it's not Father's Day today, but can I just encourage the men in the house? Fight for your children. I love that this story is a father that comes chasing after Jesus saying, you got to help my boy. Look, fathers that fight for their kids see breakthrough in their kids. I'm not minimizing the importance and the power of a praying mama. I'm standing here today as the result 
of a praying mama. But I believe that it also matters that we have warriors for fathers. They're going to fight for their kids. They're going to not they're going to kick people out the way so that their kid can get blessed. They're going to they're going to rearrange the crowd. So that their kid can get prayed for. Fight for your kid. Don't buy into the lie that it's passive. It's not your responsibility. It's your opportunity. This father. Do I, do I have any warrior fathers in the house? Just wondering. And any dads in the house are going to fight for their kids. Come on now. I have hope for our generation. Thank you, Billy, for that late but important hand. Thank you, bro. Thank you. <laughs> this father that was at a point of desperation. Comes running up to Jesus. It says this in Luke 9 verse 40. The father declares to Jesus, I begged your disciples to drive it out. But they could not. I begged your disciples. You see, Jesus wasn't there. When this incident started, Jesus wasn't there yet. Some of his disciples were there. Jesus was coming down from a mountain, having this moment called the transfiguration, which we'll get into in another day. But God visited powerfully Jesus and a couple of the disciples on a mountain that was going on while this was going on down in the valley and as Jesus is walking down the mountain the crowd was like yo there's Jesus let's go talk to him because we asked if the disciples could help and what did they they could not now I want to lean into this because this is really interesting to me because in Luke 9 verse 1 okay this is Luke 9 Verse 40, when we read, I begged your disciples to drive it out, but they could not. At the beginning of that chapter, most theologians would believe about eight days before. Jesus said this to his disciples. One day, Jesus called together his 12 disciples and gave them power and authority to cast out. All demons and to heal all diseases. Okay, Luke 9 verse 40. The disciples could not drive out the demon. We're going to rewind the clock to Luke 9 verse 1. Jesus actually gave them the authority to drive out the demon. To see people healed. So what was the deal? So where, where was the disconnect? Like if Jesus had given them the authority to drive out the devil. Why then when they were put in a opportunity. To actually exercise that authority that Jesus gave them. They couldn't. They couldn't do it. The, the demon would not leave. Now, this is interesting because if you're new to the Bible, you might not know that the first four chapters in what's called the New Testament, which is the back part, the first four chapters are all telling the story of Jesus's life. So they're all telling the same story, but they're written by four different authors, the namesakes of the book, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John And so they would at times write about the same moment, but they would grab different aspects 
of the story. And this story of Jesus praying for this boy that was being terrorized by these demons is one of those moments that shows up in multiple gospel accounts. So we just read it in Luke 9, but we'll also see it again in Matthew 17 as well as Mark 9. And so what I want to do is I want to dive into Mark's account of this moment in Mark 9:19 after Jesus hears that the disciples were unable to drive it out Jesus says you unbelieving generation This is so harsh How long shall I put up with you Wow does that sound like the felt board Jesus you just learned about you know, when you were a kid? No. How long do I have to put up with you? Bring the boy to me. And then, and then it says that they brought him. And when the spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into convulsions. And he fell on the ground and rolled around foaming at the mouth. And Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this? And he says, from childhood, he answered. As it often he throws him into a fire or water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us if you can. And Jesus said, everything is possible for one who believes. And the story goes on that Jesus prays for this boy and the demons come screaming out of him. Jesus fully restores him and gives him back to his father in right mind, totally sound, absolutely 100% healed and delivered. And then it says that Jesus went inside in Mark 9, 28. And his disciples, as Jesus is heading inside, go, yo, Jesus, why couldn't we drive it out? And in Mark's account, he highlights that Jesus says this. Some things only come out through prayer. In Matthew's account, Matthew highlights that Jesus says this. Because you have little faith. I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move. Nothing is impossible with God. Now, this is interesting because you would think that demons coming out of people would be an authority issue. Are you tracking with what I'm saying? You would think if, if Jesus had given the disciples the authority to cast out demons and heal all diseases, the case closed sign sealed and delivered they had the authority over the demon that was in front of them as they executed just declaring the name of jesus who is above all and in control of all that they would have seen the freedom that jesus brought about but jesus's response to them on why the authority that they had been freely given seemed to not be accessed when they needed it, he says that this is a prayer and faith issue. That there's, there's an attachment to the access to the authority that I've given you to the faith and the prayer that's coming from you. 
Let me, let me say that again because I think that is worth your gas money here alone. That there's an attachment to the authority that Jesus has given you. He's given you, just like he gave the disciples, all the authority that you need to see all of the evil, junk, and corruption that is in front of you, in you, around you, put in its rightful place. But there's an attachment to the faith that is in us and the prayer that comes from us and our access to the authority that God's given us. They're connected. But... I mean, it's amazing to me that Jesus would look at his disciples and he would say, it's a prayer issue. This is a a prayer issue. This is a faith issue. What's interesting to me about that is that at face value, you would absolutely think that Jesus is like, boys, pray harder. Right? Like you weren't loud enough. You ever tried that? You holler at something till you're blue in the face, till, you, till your, your voice goes away. And, and the mountain still didn't move. At face value, you would think that Jesus is like, come on, come on, boys. You only prayed for five minutes. It takes an hour. Everyone knows that. No. Jesus is is leaning into an important truth for us to understand. And it's this, it's that it's more about what prayer does in us than what prayer does for us. It's more about what prayer does in us than what prayer does for us. There's a, there's a knit, a knitting in, a drawing close that happens and those who have a continualist prayer life, that, that it, it tightens them up to the heart of the Father. And, and, and it seems that Jesus is like, there are going to be things that the devil is going to throw at you that are going to get you to question if you're really close to me or not. It, it, isn't it interesting that that in Luke's account, he goes into great detail about how sketchy this was. That the boy was like throwing himself on the ground and rolling around and screaming and foaming at the mouth. Because they were scared to death. They were like, I'm not quite sure. Woo. I don't know if you've ever encountered the spirit of fear. It's a different type of feeling than just I wish the lights were on in the living room. The spirit of fear can hit you. It it might not be some demon flapping around in front of you. No, the spirit of fear can hit your finances. You know how it's the spirit of fear? It's a suffocating feeling of hopelessness. You see, the spirit of fear takes the oxygen out of the room. The the spirit of fear, it, it sucks up all empty space in an environment. You begin to wonder even if your prayers avail anything. And that spirit of fear hits you when you start seeing something. You begin to question, is the God that is in me bigger than the devil that's in front of me? That's the spirit of fear. You're looking at a mountain that won't move and you begin to wonder that spirit of fear hits you. You're like, wow, I'm not quite sure this one's going to shift. When Jesus says, boys, this is a prayer issue, he's saying that I need to do more in you. 
so that the prayers coming out of you access the authority actually that resides inside of you. Because right now you're too moved by what you see because the chasm of your soul is filled with unbelief. And so the devil throws something sketchy and scary in front of you. And the only thing you know how to do is just back away. And as you back away, you start throwing some little prayers like, yo, be free. Be healed. Somebody pray for that brother. It's not. Jesus isn't saying like, why didn't y'all pray harder? Why didn't y'all fast more? Why didn't you shout a little louder? Why didn't you get on your knees longer? Why didn't you put your hand on his head this way? Why didn't you put this kind of oil on him? That's not what Jesus is getting at. Jesus is getting at it matters that you pray continuously because when you pray continuously, it fills up your soul with the aroma of heaven. And so when unbelief tries to creep in, when some intimidation comes in front of you, there's no space for it. And so just like Jesus looked calmly, peacefully at this very scary, overwhelming, intense situation, he was not shaken because his heart was full with the aroma of heaven. He he was not moved by the intimidation of the situation because he was secure in, in who God was that was with him. You know, see, it's interesting because I think oftentimes we misunderstand prayer and we think that prayer is about us manipulating God so that we can get what we want. This is on full display right now. If you watch any soccer, the Women's World Cup is going, there will be much intercession happening on the field of play asking for victory. Maybe some of these ladies haven't prayed in their entire life. They'll become relentless intercessors if we go to penalty kicks in the knockout round. I promise you'll see you'll see hands raised. But that's just evidence that we think that we're it's like that we we perceive that God is like that machine at Fuddruckers where you put the dollar in and there's all those toys in the bottom and you've got that remote control and you're moving that claw over the toys Y'all know what I'm talking about? Like, this is kind of what we think prayer is like. Like, man, I hope I say the right thing that directs that hand over the right toy. And I hope that when I release it, it's at the right time so that I can get what I want. Prayer is not about what happens for you. Prayer is about what happens in you. God is not up in heaven wringing his hands anxiously hoping that you say the right words. Can I set you free? There's not terror coming upon you because you prayed the wrong prayer. There's not a bunch of stuff that you can't handle now beating you up because you prayed the wrong line. That's not prayer. Prayer is about what happens in you. We're not manipulating God. God's not hoping that we say the right thing, pray the right words. He's not been like, oh, I would have healed that, bro, if he would have said it this way. And the authority of Jesus name would have been healed. That's what we believe. 
We believe that most of us don't have a relentless prayer life because we feel like we don't know what to say. Because we feel like we're like, oh, I don't know how to get it going. I don't, I don't know what's going on here. I, I, I'm not sure if I know what to say. And, and the fact is, is that our prayers avail much because our prayers draw us in to who we pray for. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Relentless prayer ties us into the Father. Relentless prayer keeps our hearts hot. It's, it's not, God, would you give me this? It's like, God, would you give me you? Would you give me you? Relentless prayer is Jesus. I need you. And as we get him, he navigates us through the complexity that we're in front of. Look, you see this demonstrated by Jesus. Jesus prayed for something that didn't happen. Jesus said, God, is there any way that this cup of the cross could pass before me? Is, is there any other way? I don't want to do this. And what happens, right? His intercession didn't give him what he wanted. It gave him who he wanted. And that intimacy with the Father, all of a sudden Jesus prays this prayer, not my will, but yours. His circumstances didn't change, but his awareness of who was with him increased. Prayer ties us in to the Father. Even when the disciples asked Jesus what they're to pray, he said this, pray that the kingdom of God would come and what? His will would be done. Right? Prayer is not... As much about what we get, it's about who we get. It's, it's, it's not about what we get, it's about who we get. Relentless prayer ties us to the Father in, in a powerful way. You know, and, and throughout the Bible, prayer is often associated with incense. In the Old Testament, the tabernacle, which was the dwelling place of God among the people, there was a little piece of furniture that was actually called the altar of incense. And it was symbolic of the prayers of the people going up to heaven. It says this in Psalms 141 verse 1. I call to you, Lord, come quickly to me. Hear when I call. May my prayer be set before you like incense. And maybe lifting up my hands be like the evening sacrifice. The reason why David wrote this is because the incense would be lit at the time of sacrifice. And so he's saying, let my prayers go up before you and fill the space of heaven like incense. It says this in Revelations 5.8. And when he had taken it, the four living creatures and 24 elders fell down before the lamb. Each one had a harp and they were holding golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of God's people. I love this because it gives us an understanding that prayer is not just throwing words out into the atmosphere and hoping that they stick on the right spot. Prayer actually consumes the atmosphere that it happens in. It fills it up. Check this out. We're going to play with fire. 
it's not going to take long for this incense to affect how this entire room smells. Eventually, the incense that's burning in this bowl is going to consume this entire space. It's not going to be contained to this bowl. This incense is going to begin to be part of what we all breathe in. It's going to be a part of what we all smell. If you think about it like this, it's like, hey, our prayers are not just filling heaven. The incense is filling us. So, so when I have a relentless prayer life, when I'm contending, and it's not about all my words, it's about a heart position of saying, God, your will be done, not me. Sometimes you just need to look at the mountain and you just need to say Jesus. You, you, don't, you don't need to look for some fancy prayer. You don't need to try to orchestrate some kind of long, drawn out, special thing. You just need to say, Jesus, Jesus, and let the incense The aroma of your intercession begin to fill you up because you want to know what happens is that if we let this burn long enough, it'll fill this whole room up and everybody that walks in here will go like this. You smell that. You smell that. And and any other smell is going to have to fight against that smell. Look, don't don't wait to light your incense when you need your heart to be filled with the aroma of heaven. Get it full. Like get it full right now. So, so that when you get that doctor diagnosis, that's terrifying. And the devil throws something in front of you that's going to try to shake your faith. Something that doesn't make any sense. That's not right. And it's scary and it's painful. You can look back at that devil and say the devil is a liar. The devil is a liar. Look, God, I need some breakthrough, but this issue is not going to shake me from you. See, that's what that's what when, when the incense begins to get in you. All of a sudden you begin to realize, hey, it's I I need breakthrough. I need that. That's not going to change. I'm always going to need breakthrough. But but my need is not going to shake me from him. My need is not going to shake me from him. When that demonized boy was flopping around in front of the disciples, the fear of what they were seeing pulled the disciples away from understanding that they had authority in them. And that's what the enemy wants to do. The enemy wants to throw circumstances at you that are so scary, so overwhelming, so fearful, so absolutely unthinkable that it shakes you from understanding that God is with you. And so you stop using the authority that's in you to look at those mountains and to relentlessly, continually pray and say, it doesn't take much. It doesn't take a lot. All I need is faith as a mustard seed. And this mountain doesn't look like it's moving right now. But guess what is moving? I'm moving. 
Because prayer is about what happens in me more than what is happening in front of me. So I can look at circumstances that don't go my way and I don't question the goodness of God. I don't question if God is with me. I don't question if he's for me. I can look at my child who might turn away from the faith and I'm weeping my eyes out saying, God, would you rescue them? Would you move in power? And I'm, I need breakthrough, but it doesn't shake me from the Father because my hope is not in what God does for me my hope is that God is with me yeah that incense we we should be filled with incense we should be filled with the aroma of heaven just relentless prayer just God move some of you right now you just it doesn't even matter who's around you you just need to start just start looking at your mountain just saying Jesus just do it just say Jesus just just be just begin to let that aroma increase in you let the aroma of heaven just just declare his name just Jesus we're, we're going to be a house of prayer this morning we're going to learn how to not wander past our opportunity to be with the one who gives us what we need it's about in- intimacy about intimacy it, our, look there's been times in my life where I have just screamed at things till I was blue in the face hollered until I didn't have a voice I didn't have no skin left on my knees and I would wonder God why is it not moving why is it not changing and it's because I was given the wrong cue I was, I was, I was saying tighten your core wasn't the problem. Jesus is saying, look, stop praying and thinking that it's about the solution that you have in your mind. Start being a continually praying, thankful person because of who you get when you pray. It's not about what you get. It's about who you get. It's it's, it's not about that thing that you hope that moves. It's that God puts you in a place of need so that he can show you that he's with you. Oh, listen to me, church, if we just begin to understand that it is not about trying to get God to make our life easy, but to find him in the struggle, we're going to get free. We're going to get free. We stop dishing out this this candy evangelism that if you just experience Jesus, that everything's going to be better. That's a lie. Life might get harder, but it doesn't matter because it's not about what my prayer does for me. It's about what my prayer gives me. And my my prayer gives me a heart that is full with the aroma of heaven. And so the devil comes at me and tempts me with things that are intimidating and fearful. Tries to get that old stench of unbelief to seed inside of my soul. Tries to get that old stench of fear to get all up inside of me. Get that old stench of of thinking that God's not for me and the whole world is against me. And, And but but there's no room for it because the incense has filled up the space. And so the devil tries to come in. He's like, no, it's too full. It's too smoggy in there. We're not going to have any effect here. We need to move on. That's why it says pray continuously. Don't let there be any space in your heart for the devil to come and seed an aroma that's going to detract you from being able to access the authority that Jesus has freely given you. 
Look, as a church, as a general rule, we walk around with all kinds of authority to see our entire city change. But we don't have any aroma. So we be shouting some stuff. We've been giving cues and nothing's changing. And so you have a whole subsect of church that thinks that God doesn't move in power anymore. It's an aroma issue. It's an incense issue. Look, we, we need to learn to not wander past. And this is why we have Encounter Night. It's coming up, I think, like June 28th or something. And, and I want this room to be packed because we need to learn how to dwell in the presence of God, not just individually, but also corporately. And if you're like, man, I want to learn how to be a relentless prayer. I want to learn how to not be affected by my circumstances. I want to be able to look at the devil and say, devil, you're a liar. I know that this is scary, but you're not going to shake me. And you're just like, I just don't know what to do. I don't know how to do it. I don't know where to start. It's easy. Just start declaring the name of Jesus at your mountain. That's it. That's it. And anytime you feel that feeling of the spirit of fear creeping in to overwhelm you in the middle of your circumstances, use that as the cue. I need to turn the fire up. I need to turn the fire up. Instead of getting overwhelmed, be like, I need to turn the fire up. Oh, I'm starting to feel a little insecure. I need to turn the fire up. I'm starting to feel a little bit overwhelmed. I need to turn the fire up because there's been some space that's been vacated. I need to make sure that my incense is pouring continually out of me and let that aroma just fill you up and, 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 and let it push out your unbelief. Some of us are trying to will our way into faith. It's not about willing your way into faith. It's about letting the spirit of God push out your unbelief. It's about letting the aroma of heaven push out your fear. It's not about you getting somehow emotionally stronger. It's about God getting bigger and allowing him to push out those things that are trying to push you around. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16, again, says this. Rejoice always. Pray continually. And give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you. Can you just stand to your feet? And, and what I just want you to start to pray. I want you just to start to declare the name of Jesus over your circumstances. Look, do it out loud. Let the praises of the righteous begin to fill this place like the aroma of incense. Let's learn how not to run past it, but run into it. Just begin to pray. You look at your mountain. Begin to declare Jesus over your mountain. Come on now. I think there's more of a roar in this place than what I'm hearing right now. Let the prayers begin to rise. Let them begin to rise within you. Let them begin to rise. No, 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 no. Just keep it up. Keep it up. Just begin to declare the name of Jesus. You don't know what to say. Just be, just say Jesus. You got something fearful in your life. Just say Jesus over that fear. Just declare Jesus over it. Let that incense begin to rise. Let it fill the space. Let it fill the space. Soak that fire within your heart. 
stoke that fire within you. God, we just invite you here. Lord, would you teach us how to pray? Lord, would you teach us to be a people that delight ourselves in you and find you there in that place of intimacy and delighting in you that you give us the desires of our hearts. God, teach us to be a people that draw near to you because it says in James 4, 8 that those who draw near to you, that you draw near to them. And God, right now, I just say for all those who have been fighting and they're weary from the battle, they have been believing and their hope is waning. Lord, I just say right now, with the gift of faith, be demonstrated to them right now in Jesus' mighty name. With their hearts begin to rise up with faith as they declare that although it looks like this mountain isn't moving, God, you're moving me. Something's moving, and it might not be this mountain right now, but you're moving me. And so, God, I just, I ask for faith to be stirred up in a significant way in Jesus' name. And and, and if that's you, if, if you would be so bold, if you're like, man, I've been hollering at a mountain, and it's not moving. I've been believing for this, and it's not shifting. I've been declaring this and it's not. If that's you and your heart is weary from the fight, we don't do this a lot. We don't want to put you on the spot or embarrass you. But would you just raise your hand if that's you? Anybody weary from the fight? Now, church, what we're going to do is I love this. I love this. Keep your hands up. Everybody look around and see this. Now, listen to me. What I love about church is that oftentimes we have what other people need. And so these people need hope. They need faith. Guess what? There's hope and faith in this room for them. And so we're going to go into a worship song. This is one of my favorite things to do. I love this. And we are going to worship and we're going to pray for them. Not for you. You're going to sing for them. You're going to dance for them. You're going to declare for them. And if you're feeling overwhelmed, if you're feeling like your heart needs a little breakthrough and all that, I want you just to receive whatever that looks like for you. Sit down, stand up, raise your hands, go like this. I don't care. Come stick your head in the bowl. I don't I don't care what you do. Whatever you need to do, you just receive because what's going to happen is, is that there's going to be a transfer of hope and faith that is going to come in you and your heart is going to get in fresh strength for the fight that you're in the middle of. Amen. All right, come on, let's just worship and let's just fight on behalf of those who need a breakthrough. Everybody just lift your hands to heaven. pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit and your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith and as I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this knowledge that surpasses understanding that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God now to him who is able to do immeasurably more 
then all we ask, all we imagine, according to His power that is at work within us, to Him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever and ever. Amen. Come on, can we just clap for Jesus? Thank you so much for being here this morning. Hey, as we formally close, we know that there's so many needs in the room. And if you need prayer for anything, a few of my leaders will be up here and they would love to pray for you. But go filled with faith today. Fill that heart with the aroma of heaven so that there'd be no space for unbelief, no space for fear. Amen? Have an incredible week. We'll see you Sunday.